so excited that you are here. I am so excited that you are back. I'm grateful that you are back. If you are new here, I am Jennifer Jefferson, the voice behind Conquer Me podcast, where we talk about the joys of developing a personal relationship with Jesus. The whole point of this podcast is to be Christ-centered about the Word of God and for us to grow and mature as believers. And hopefully we grab the tools and wisdom to really understand the first person that needs to be conquered is not your mama, your daddy, or your people around you. It is you. We are the problem. We is the problem. You is the problem. So if we can get that concept in our mind, that Lord, start with me first. Start with me first. And that's what we want to do here over Conquer Me. Really create a life that is allowing Jesus to really be the Lord over our life. That's what we do. Okay. So today we're continuing the conversation about repentance. And this is the last um, episode we're going to have specifically on this topic. The Lord, um, I believe I said this on the first episode that when season three, as I was praying for season three and what to do and all these other things, it really was God having me to go deeper. I just felt the Holy Spirit telling me to go deeper within his word, take a topic or a scripture or a subject and really dive deep in it. You know, um, we have to be okay with getting to the meat, get to the marrow child of what the word of God is saying. And I know we are living in this wonderful world where we have social media everywhere and we're having um, just short clips. It's all over. Every social media platform has some form of short clip where we can get little bites of information, which is good. But it's good for us to just to take the time and stop and say, okay, how can I go deeper into the word of God? Don't allow that to really infiltrate your study time with the Lord. Don't allow that to influence even your prayer time to where you're like, oh, I said this quick prayer, but like really go in and listen to the Holy Spirit. I heard a teacher say she was challenging um, those who got assigned to her to really just pray for an hour, but pray and say nothing. I was like, ooh, pray and say nothing. Just hear, be in the presence of God. And I didn't do the whole thing, um, but I say, you know what? I, I hear what she's saying. It's amazing when you just stop to listen and when you hear God and you hear his voice and you feel his presence instead of it just being a session where you're just dumping everything, which is what God wants, right? Because Jesus did say, cast your cares upon, upon me for I care for you. And so it's like, that is the desire of us, is that desire of him, excuse me, for us to continue to cast our cares to him. But how amazing is it when we can mature to a place where we have decided just to listen, where we shut everything off and we're like, Lord, I just want to be in your presence and I just want to listen. And so we've been having this discussion about repentance. And this is why I'm saying all this for us to go deeper within our relationship with the Lord. And every episode, hopefully you all have gained a different perspective and a different point of view. And the main scripture that we have been coming from, for me, which kind of lays out the steps of repentance is second Chronicles seven and 14. And it says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, seek my face 
turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear them in heaven and heal their land. I just always felt like when I first read that, it was just like this place of repentance and restoration, right? Because God does not just leave us out there high and dry. He does not do that. When God is a God that restores, Jesus is in the restoration business. He died because for our sins, but then also so that we can be redeemed, so that we can be restored to our rightful place, that beautiful relationship that God designed before sin entered in. Jesus died so we can go back to that place, right? And so he always brings us back to him. Anytime Jesus is saying, hey, hey, get that together. It is not to point out our wrong just for the sake of it, but he's like, hey, there is better. There's there's another level of love that you can enter into. There's another level of power that you can enter into. And so there's another level of grace that you can really, really experience. So I want us to continue our conversation about repentance and the beauty of having a heart of, a print, of repentance. And every episode was slightly different, but this one, I want to do a little bit something differently. Um, God places on my heart with the mindset of thinking a hundred years from now. One hundred years from now. I know some of you are thinking that one hundred years from now, we are going to be dead. A hundred years from now. Like the Bible says he out, you know, God cut man's life down to one hundred and twenty. After Noah. So even if you're 20 years old, you're like, a hundred years from now, I don't know about that. So I want us to think about this. Where does this come from? So it came from a lot of various places, okay? (laughs) So I love documentaries about any and everything. Uh, Specifically top documentaries that I love to watch are things about business, the food and health industry, any type of business, Um, things about history from different countries and all that type of stuff. So I came across this documentary about um, China and how they have the 100-year plan. And I was listening to that and I said, how amazing is that, that they had the foresight to look beyond their today. And I think sometimes it is so easy as human beings to get caught up in our today. We get caught up in how we are going to make it, or some of us, the furthest we think is for the next generation. Now we're still talking about repentance, okay? Let me build to that point. So with China having this this foresight of where they want their country to be a hundred years from now, I cannot remember when this plan started, but I'm just telling you. So I just kept thinking about that and I was like, wow, that's so amazing. Then my mind went to the scripture. Uh, Proverbs 13, 22. And the New Living Translation says, good people leave an inheritance for their grandchildren, but the sinner's wealth passes to the ungodly. The King James Version says, a wise man leaves an inheritance for their children's children, right? So the whole point is, this specifically is talking about wealth and wealth is more than just money. It can be assets. It can be your land. It can also, number one, as believers, it has to be what are the tools that you have given them? Because also in the book of Proverbs, it says, 
Parents, train up your child in a way that they should go. So when they are old, they will not depart from it, right? So there's so many things that we are supposed to instill into the next generation, not just for our children, but for our children's children, our grandchildren. And when our grandchildren are old and I have been gone, my youngest is five years old now. So when he gets older, and has children and his grandchildren are old, old, and they live until 90. I'm praying that we have long life in our bloodline that, that really glorifies the Lord. I'm gone. I, I have done what the Lord has called me to do. So I'm praying that I leave enough wealth even for them. And I pray that I instill this scripture and this mindset of a hundred year plan to my children. And then they instill that with the blood of Jesus to their children, right? So what does this have to do with repentance? Have you ever thought about your inability or your desire to not live in the fullness of God, to not repent? How does this affect the next generation? Have you ever thought about that? I know some maybe think, well, I don't even have children. Let me help you out. As you mature in God and as you grow in God, God will assign folks to you. They, I don't care if they become your spiritual children, the spiritual nieces and nephews, all of these things. But how is your relationship with God impacting the next? Now, here's the thing. I want to be clear. We are not held responsible for anybody else's sins, but our own. We are not. I saw this video of this woman sharing her testimony and I felt so bad for her. But she just said this quick testimony of of, um, when she was around the age. I want to say she said eight or nine. Around eight or nine, her mother had two children with a married man. And of course, he did not take responsibility of him. Her mother unfortunately passed away while her siblings were still minors. And so her being the oldest had to take care of her younger brother and sister. So she didn't have a childhood. Things were robbed away. And so her, she ended the video saying that we really do pay for our parents' sins. And so I want to give some scripture context behind this. And I also want to give some, some different understanding. But once again, we're still talking about repentance, the consequences of our sins and not turning things around. Remember, we're, if we're looking at Second Chronicles 7 and 14 as the main scripture, repentance is a turning. That means I am correcting things. That's what we're doing, right? But I love how at the even at the end of it, God says, then I will hear them and heal their land. Not just hear, heal their hearts, not just forgive their sins, but heal their land. And that means things that you're attached to, what you have a, a responsibility over, what you have possession over. God said, I will heal that too. too. So I want to read Exodus 20, 40, Uh, I'm sorry, 24 through six. And this is the New Living Translation. You must not make yourself an idol of any kind or image of anything in the heavens 
or on the earth or in the sea. You must not bow down to them or worship them. For I, the Lord God, am a jealous God who will not tolerate your affections for any other gods. I lay the sins of the parents upon their children. The entire family is affected. Even children in the third and fourth generation of those who reject me. But I lavish unfailing love for a thousand generations for those who love me and obey my commands. Okay, I want us to remember what I just read. Then I want to read this passage of scripture along with it. Judges 2, 10 through 15. Once again, this is the word to the children of Israel. So we're in Judges 2, 10 through 15. After that generation died. So this is around uh, the context for this specific scripture. This has to do when um, Moses has already passed. Uh, The children of Israel, they are out of the the uh the hold or the bondage of Pharaoh and I believe now they're in the land that God has promised them. Joshua at this time is now an old man and I think he just passed away around this time. So I want us to give just a little bit of context. So God is so this so this is the generation because it starts off with after that generation died. So there was a whole nother generation that knew the promises of God. And unfortunately a lot of them had to die in the wilderness but the Lord and look Joshua was compromise, not compromise, but Lord, he was fighting with the Lord, like, Lord, please, what would they say if you kill all of us, right? So he kept a new generation. I believe the ages were like 20 and under. That's how the Lord kept them. And they were the new generation. So let's go into this. Judges 2 and 10 says, after that generation died, another generation grew up who did not acknowledge the Lord or remember the mighty things he had done for Israel. I just want to meditate on that. Because of the disobedience of the previous generation, because they did not teach the next generation how to honor and follow God, there was the next generation who did not know God, did not know how to acknowledge him or even remember the mighty things that he has done for Israel, for your family. Because you have allowed everyone else, now I'm flipping it to us, to be our savior instead of Jesus himself. Now our children are open to living in confusion. They serve all these other gods. They are pushed to and fro to all of these various places. Because the previous generation, those who knew the Lord, did not say, hey, this is who we serve and this is who we honor. This is still a part of repentance. Remember, he said, turn from your wicked ways, then I will hear you in heaven and I will heal, restore their land. That's what it says. Well, New Living Translation says, restore their lands. Have we ever thought about, last week we talked about how our relationship and how our actions impact or affect the Lord. We talked about grieving the Holy Spirit and what that does and what things, according to scripture, that grieve the Holy Spirit 
It even said, don't even allow anger to come in because it's given the devil a foothold. And I said how my sister who was in it because, and the reason why I'm saying my sister, because she um, deals with a lot of children, her business, she works with a lot of children in foster care who have been abandoned, who've just been through a lot. And so she had to understand and get some, get, uh, she had to obtain some training within trauma and all these other things. And that's where she learned that anger is a secondary emotion. That means there is a different thing going on. There's a deeper root of pain that is happening, but they're just responding in anger. So we can't live in anger. We can't even, we can't even rest in it because it gives the enemy a foothold, right? It gives him room to enter into. So once again, have we ever thought about how our sins, how our weights, how our issues impact the next generation. And I want to go back to that video of that woman who said that children really do pay for their parents' sin. And that's not true because God is going to hold each and every one of us accountable for our own sins, for receiving him or rejecting him, right? It's just like no one can accept Jesus Christ for you. You have to accept Jesus Christ. No one can send you to hell because you reject Like my mama rejected him. So now I rejected him. No, but are there consequences? Right? So let's give a simple, 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 simple example. If, if a parent robs a bank, God will not punish the child for robbing the bank, right? That parent has to deal with their sins and the consequences of being a thief. But what happens to that child of now being raised with their parent in jail? They don't have them in their life. What happens, how about this? If the parent decides, let me teach them the game. So now their children are being raised in a place of being corrupt if they're being taught how to ride the game. I mean, rob a bank, how to be dishonest, how to do all these things. I'm using kind of a, a, a outlandish example because I think most of us, hopefully, <laughs> most of us don't know any bank robbers or, or never have done it. But if you have, God will forgive. And if you know someone, God forgives at the end of the day, right? Um, but I'm saying this because I don't want us to look at our parents and say, because we talk about generational curses and we talk about generational um, things that have been passed down to us. Now, generational trauma, I believe, but generational curses, no, because when Jesus died, he took on all of those sins. So when I have accepted Jesus Christ as my personal savior, I don't carry or bear the sins of my parents, but I might have to unlearn some things of them. I might have to recognize where they have dropped the ball. And so instead of me starting with a place of, let's say on level four, I'm starting from negative one. I pray I'm making sense. When we do not repent and we do not align ourselves with the truth of God, we do impact others. We impact people that have no desire to live in the mess that we have created. 
no desire to carry on dysfunction. But because we have not turned over our ways to him, we knowingly or unknowingly are teaching the new generation to live a life and believe in things that are against the truth of God. So once again, what are you leaving a hundred years from now? Now, a lot of people have looked at people who are, it may be people of means and wealth, right? They are, they have a lot of money, but you've seen some of them are some of the nicest people and some of them are the cruelest people. So as believers, yes, we want to leave uh, finances, great money. We want to leave um, assets. We want to leave certain things that help them in the natural. But what are we leaving with their spiritual walk? Are we leaving them in a place to where they don't know God? They don't know God in marriage because mom and dad never wanted to put God in their marriage. They don't know God as a healer. Well, because mom or dad wanted to stay bitter about something that happened when they were a child. So now I don't know how to forgive. Now, when I start dating or when I start a family, I'm repeating the same stuff. This is when we start saying generational uh, uh, curses. But really what it is, is just we're just we're just repeating what we saw. So is it not our responsibility as those who are going to be ahead of the next generation to say, I will not. Leave this to the next generation. Lord, open my eyes. Here we go again. Open my eyes to the things that I am doing, things that I'm saying that it's against your will, that is going to impact my uh, children, that is going to impact my nieces and nephews, that's going to impact my little cousin, that's going to impact my lo- a little brother and sister, that is going to impact anyone that you assign to me in this spiritual walk. That is going to impact. Like, what are we doing? Are, are, are we having those and understanding that we are truly leaving things behind? A wise man leaves an inheritance for his children's children's children. We cannot continue in this mindset that repentance doesn't have a greater reward than what we realize. When we repent, not only are we restoring our relationship with God, but we're saving the next generation. We are making the Lord pleased. We are healing the next generation. We're healing our land. There's a scripture that says that the earth uh, mourns, no, groans in, in pain as it eagerly awaits the children of God, the children of light. See, when we start to walk in repentance, we can start walking in our call. That brings people into the light of God. That brings people into the truth of who God is. It brings them out of their sin. It brings them out of their darkness. It brings them out. When we 
those of us who have accepted Jesus Christ saying that I choose to no longer be bitter. I choose to no longer be upset. I choose to no longer deal with whatever this vice is that is keeping me from living a full redeemed life that's allowing me to have a double-minded ways, that's allowing me to be unstable, that's allowing me to look finical, fickle. That's the word I'm looking for. It's like, Lord, I am get, removing myself all of these things that's making you look crazy because at the end of the day, we are his representation. No, we are not responsible for our parents' sins. But I want you to think about what are some things that your parents did not do? That sometimes we wish like, dog, I wish they would have done that. I wish they would have gotten this together so that I wouldn't have to struggle and unlearn this behavior, unlearn this communication style, unlearn this form of relationship, right? Now, I'm talking about specifically for those who, who the previous generation knew the Lord. Like only thing you know were them talking about Jesus. They grew up in the church. You grew up in the church. They grew up in the church, all that type of stuff. Because remember that scripture was the generation that did not know him. They came under a generation that knew God, that experienced him, that saw the miracles of God. But yet they lost their way. Yet they took on other idols other forms of idols. And so you may feel like you're dealing with their sin. Thank you, Holy Ghost. I am praying for anyone who feels like they are dealing with their parents' sins, their parents' failures. Here's the thing. Once again, we, God does not hold us accountable for anyone else's sin. What does that mean, accountable? You will not go to hell because what your mom and dad did. That's what sin does. Sin separates us and sends us. It keeps us from God. But if you have accepted Jesus Christ as your personal savior, you you need to just stand in knowing that you're redeemed, that you're free. But here's the truth. Because your parents or whoever raised you, knew the Lord. But in some areas, they did not follow the Lord. In some areas, they did not release things to the Lord. So now you're looking in that you see the truth of, I have to unlearn this stuff. God, I don't know you in this area. Let's go a little bit deeper. When the scripture says there's a generation that did not know him and did not understand his ways, what are some things that you can look at and say, I don't understand your ways. I don't understand how you move here. My parents experienced this, but they didn't really follow you in this. Now it is your responsibility. Number one, to forgive your parents. Forgive your grandparents, your aunties and uncles, whoever. And saying, Lord, I forgive them. So, but now I need you to teach me your ways because I refuse to allow this ways, these wicked ways to be passed down to the next generation of what is normal, of what is okay and what is of God when I know it is not you. We have to 
realize that our lives and our walk with God, it not only impacts us, it not only either pleases the Lord or grieves the Holy Spirit, but it also impacts the next generation. What will be attached to your name a hundred years from now? Because of technology, information is going to last much longer than what it did for my parents' day, for my grandparents' day. People are going to have a picture of you. They're going to have a post of you, especially those of you who like to post everything under the sun. That thing is going to be there for a minute. What are we leaving behind to the next generation and to our grandchildren, to those that God has called to come after us two generations from now? What are we leaving behind? Are we leaving behind the heart of repentance, saying that I'm sorry, I forgive this by you even apologizing to people? It doesn't have to be no long drawn out thing. But you say, no, I'm sorry. And I'm teaching the next generation how to apologize. And I'm actually going to change my ways because I want to reflect what the word of God says. And turning from their wicked ways. Because I understand if I'm walking upright, I am clearing the nonsense out of my life. I'm clearing the pathway in the spirit realm, the best way I can say it. So I can hear the voice of the Lord and the voice of the Lord can hear me and he can forgive me and restore my land. And I'm so glad through Jesus Christ that we don't have to do a lot of hopes. We don't have to do a whole bunch of stuff. We don't have to go ahead and sacrifice people. I mean, not people, sacrifice animals. (laughs) Sacrifice animals like they did in the Old Testament. We don't have to do all that. We just got to say, Lord, I'm sorry. Forgive me. And God says, I'll throw it in the lake lake of forgetfulness. Boom. Done. Now is God. Give me your wisdom. Show me because I don't want to repeat this. I don't want my life to be in an ugly cycle where the next generation is being raised in this foolishness and they don't know you as someone who is the Prince of Peace because the only thing they see and know is chaos. They don't know when the word of God says, be anxious for nothing because the only thing they know is anxiety in the house. They don't know you as a God who can, who's called us when the word of God says, my brother, I wish that you prosper in good health even as your soul prosper. Because the only thing they saw around them was poverty. They saw people who didn't even think about eating well. People who weren't even trying to work out. People weren't even trying to go for a walk. They didn't even care about their temple. For our bodies are a holy temple. I present you my body, holy and acceptable. What are we living and leaving to the next generation? Are we going to be perfect? No. Will you fail? Yes. But the only way to become perfection, quote unquote, and not in the mindset of what we think perfect is, is through Christ Jesus. This is why I always challenge us to study the word of God, to be the student of Christ. How beautiful is it when the next generation can see someone older than them, older than them own up to their mistakes? Show their vulnerability. Now you walk in wisdom on when to share, how to share. I can have a different conversation with my 15-year-old versus my five-year-old. 
But how beautiful is it? I've had this desire. My husband said this when we first started our family. He said, I just don't want to discipline them um, just because they're wrong. I want them to have understanding on what happened. So with that, I took that to heart. And so with every conversation, I'm trying to have little tidbits of like, hey, do you understand me? Do you understand? The Bible says wisdom cries out at the gate. She is desiring people to listen to her. So I said, Lord, let me be a woman of wisdom where my children hear your voice. They hear your grace. They hear your mercy. They hear your instructions. I want them to see their mother and father constantly striving to do the things of the Lord. Being in tune with them, but knowing that we will drop the ball. And when we will drop the ball, we'll have those honest conversations. What are we leaving behind? What happens when we live in disobedience and not repenting? We are allowing arrogance and pride, anger, entitlement, self-righteousness, self-centered, all of these things and more to become our center and not Jesus, our center. And not the power of God, our center. I hope that we have gained something in this series about repentance. And I hope even with this one, a hundred years from now, you really start to think, what is going to be my legacy? What's going to be attached to my name? I know now specifically within Black America, there's a lot of things about legacy building. And a lot of that is, a lot of the legacy building is built around, um, the conversation is more so about money and finances and all these things, which is great. Um, But I want to add a little caveat to that as Christians. What is the spiritual inheritance that you're leaving for your children? So that can go down to your children's children, your grandchildren. If you have been graced, my prayer is I've prayed and I said, Lord, I want to live long enough to see my great grandchildren where I'm able to know them. My prayer is I have been. I pray that like, Lord, I want my husband and I to be to live a little bit over 100. My husband, um, his grandfather lived to 105. I said, Lord, I know you could take us to 105, Lord, where we can look back and look and see our great grandchildren. And our great grandchildren can see us and they can see the glory of God and they can see that they follow God. Yes, uh, uh, grandma and grandpa, whatever name that they give us, you know, they left us all these things, you know, uh, so that we don't have to scratch and, and, and try to we don't live in poverty. They left us all these things, but they left us their faith. They left us the fact that they are believers, that Jesus Christ is the only way that keep growing in God, never stop pursuing God, never stop going to your father, always be his child, always be his student, never, never, never get to the point to where you are too grown to hear and receive correction, never get to the point where you look down on people, ask the Holy Spirit to keep you because you can't do it in your own. My prayer is, Lord, let even my great-grandchildren see us. And see your glory. So when the Lord gave me that idea of a hundred years from now, and it really came from that documentary, and I had to examine myself, 
Because at that time and point, I was so focused on the issues of today. And the moment that really settled in my mind, everything shifted. I was like, these issues, God, you will give me the wisdom, but you are preparing my today for my tomorrow, which is preparing for a hundred years from now. So I can honestly say and pray that through your guidance and through your spirit and through your power, I can be what Proverbs says. Good people leave an inheritance for their grandchildren. Lord, I want to leave an inheritance that put a smile on your face. So give me a heart of repentance. Give me a heart of humility. And give me a heart of submission and willingness to follow you in the things that you've called me to do. That's what I pray for us on today. This first prayer is for any of us who do not know God. Anyone who does not know Jesus as your personal savior. Maybe that struck a chord with you and you felt like you have been praying Paying, excuse me, for your parents' sins. And do not misunderstand what this scripture says about how the I lay the sins of the parents upon the, their children and the entire family is affected. And really what that's saying is, look, the consequences and the issues and how about this, the, the results. You're not held accountable But just like how I gave that story of, unfortunately, her mother passed early. She had to raise her siblings. So her life was impacted by that. But my prayer is that she turned her life to God and realizing that I have so much freedom in him. Don't reject God. Don't live a life where you reject God. This is your opportunity to accept Jesus Christ as your personal savior. Romans 10, 9 says this, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. If you want to be saved right now, be redeemed for your sins, not your parents' sins. You can't do that, but redeemed from you, from your sins. I want you to say this, Lord, I believe that you are the son of God. I believe that you died and rose for me. Please forgive me of my sins and come into my life. If you have said that, you are saved. We are rejoicing. Heaven is rejoicing. I always encourage all of us, let it be new Christians or those of us who've been in the faith, please find a good church home, a a Bible study group, a small group, whatever it is, that is Christ-centered and Bible-centered. We need each other to stay encouraged and fight in this uh, life and continue to do the things that God has called us to do. And the second prayer is for some of us to where we have to start really shifting our mindsets. Our lifestyle of holding on to bitterness, anger, and whatever that is, it has impacted the next generation. And you have not thought of 100 years from now. What will be attached to your name? What will be attached to your inheritance? It's not just about the money because some people will not leave a whole bunch of money for their for their family for whatever reason. But my God, will they leave them a level of faith that will impact the world? I'm praying for you. 
that God allows you to get out of your own stuff and see how what you do and don't do impacts the next generation. It can be those that are your blood family. It can be those that you haven't even met yet. Those who you may never encounter. God is calling us to be a light into this world. And is your unforgiveness and your inability to ask for forgiveness, is that impacting your light? Yes. Lord, I ask that you open our eyes right now. Prick our hearts so that we can understand that we are bigger than just ourselves. Our walk with you impacts not only us, but it impacts our land, our neighbors, our children's children. It impacts the schools that we are going to. It impacts every environment that we go into. These things that we have not released unto you, that we have not asked you for forgiveness, that we have not turned our ways, our wicked ways from, Lord Jesus, so that we can walk in your truth fully. It is dimming our lights. It is quenching the Holy Spirit. It is grieving the Holy Spirit. And for that, Lord, forgive us. Forgive us and strengthen us so that we can may walk fully in your love, fully in this freedom, fully in the mindset that we are redeemed. The old man is gone and we are made new. Lord, we thank you and we praise you. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. I love you all. And I will speak to you next week.